Welcome. If you are a visitor, my name is Pastor Jesse. Uh, I'm privileged to serve as one of the elders here. Also, don't worry, I don't preach every week. So if you're like, well, I'm not sure about this, just come back next week. <laughs> but in all seriousness, in all seriousness, uh, we are in the middle of a series. Um, it's called Who's Your One? And uh, don't forget, we have some resources for you, specifically this one. Uh, it's like a little bookmark. So it's just a, a prayer guide. Uh, I'm sorry, not a prayer guide, but a reading guide as we go through this series. So that's there on the back table. We have some other resources there for you. Uh, so after the service, if you need a break, whatever, feel free to grab that. All right, so, <clears throat> excuse me. So our text this morning is gonna be Luke chapter five, verses 17 through 26. So would, I'll ask you to stand um, as we read God's word together. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Luke 5, starting in 17. On one of those days while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and also from Jerusalem. And the Lord's power to heal was in him. Just then some men came, carrying on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. They tried to bring him in and set him down before him. Since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him onto the stretcher, or lowered him on the stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. Seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to think to, began to, think to themselves, who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But perceiving their thoughts, Jesus replied to them, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your stretcher, and go home. Immediately, he got up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. Then everyone was astounded, and they were giving glory to God. And they were filled with awe and said, we have seen incredible things today. And I just want to preach on uh, the idea this morning that Jesus is the treasure of our faith. Let's pray. Father God, you are good. You are kind. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for this church. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to dive into your word, God. Lord, I pray that your spirit would help us to catch a glimpse of the glory of who you are and that we would treasure Jesus and it would change our lives. And because of the fact that we treasure Jesus, it would change others' lives because you are the same today, yesterday, and forever. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. So before we get started and jump into the text, just let me offer you just a little bit of background um, as we jump into the Gospel of Luke. So firstly, the Gospel is Luke. The Gospel of Luke was written by Luke. Um, also, the church answer of God would also have been appropriate there, but that's okay. Um, and I think it's also important for us to, to consider, as we keep in mind, a little bit of background on Luke, is he was a, phys a physician by trade. Uh, specifically, as we see in this story, that's gonna, we need to keep that in mind, as Luke is very familiar with, with the human body, with disease, with sickness. So as we consider about Jesus healing someone from something that seems uncurable, it's I think it's important that we keep that in mind because Luke 
would know that it would be it's impossible. Uh, secondly, this book was written to Jews at the time, uh, and and just like the and we also know that Luke wrote the book of Acts, just like here uh, in, in in Luke, this book is dedicated to the wonderful Theophilus. Yes, Theophilus Lofton. That's exactly who it was. That's Pastor Sign's name is. Theophilus, okay. All right, so <clears throat> let me offer you too just a quote from Dr. Tom Schreiner just as he summarizes the Gospel of Luke that I just think was really helpful. Uh, Dr. Schreiner says, the Gospel of Luke tells the story of Jesus' life from his birth in Nazareth and ministry in Galilee to his journey to Jerusalem that ultimately culminates in his death, resurrection, and ascension. So before this, what we've seen in chapters one through uh, four, We've seen Jesus' birth foretold, and then also Jesus' birth take place. Uh, we've seen the temptation of Christ, and we've also seen Jesus start to begin and to perform miracles as he begins his ministry uh, here in Galilee. So where we are today, the text, the text brings us to Jesus teaching uh, in, in Galilee. We see him uh, uh, teaching in a room with a bunch of uh, Pharisees and also people there who are listening to him. So we're right in the middle of Jesus's beginning of his ministry. So where I want to go with this, just let me offer you just a quick story to hopefully bridge the gap here so we can take a look at the text. I want to tell you about a time in my life um, that I will just simply never forget. Um, and it was on YouTube. I was on, I was on YouTube, okay? I, wasn't, I didn't make a YouTube video. But I was watching an interview of a musician that I'd never heard of by the name of Nils Fromm. Uh, and I clicked on it because the thumbnail was beautiful. The studio that he was in in Germany was wooden. It was mid-century. It was beautiful. But what I heard was a snippet uh, that was playing in the background of the interview of a song that uh, it's, it's my favorite song of all time. It's called My Friend the Forest. And what it is, it's just a solo piano piece. Uh, it, it's absolutely beautiful. You know, have you ever like heard a song and you're like, if I had any musical ability, I would like to think that this is something, I would like to write a song like this. Like that was what it was for me. Uh, with no musical ability, except on Guitar Hero. That's another story. <laughs> but that's what it was for me. It was beautiful. And not only was that song so well, but there was a, the record that it was off of was called All Melody, and it was released in 2018. And the record, I thought, was perfect. I thought it was perfect. It completely changed the way that I listened to music, the way that I interacted with music, and the type of music that I was listening to. And it's 2023 now, and I listen to at least one of those songs probably every week. Now, to some people in this room, that's no surprise because I haven't shut up about that record since 2018. And now, everyone in this room also knows how much I love it. And see, here's where I'm going. You might be thinking, though, okay, we're doing a series on evangelism. Je Pastor Jesse's going to tell me, if we only cared about Jesus as much as we care about music or movies or books, it would be much better. Now, I'm not saying that's not true, but I'm not here to guilt you into just sharing the gospel. You see, what was different about that record is because it did something to me. I treasured that record. I loved it. I'm not saying that, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to guilt you into, into this. This is all I want to do this morning. This is it. All I want to do is to offer you a glimpse of Jesus. 
and I just want you to treasure him. That's all I want to do because I think we talk about what we treasure. Absolutely. What's in the heart comes from the mouth. Jesus even said this, right? Church, what I'm calling us to consider is Christ and his glory and his beauty and his worth and his majesty. So with that in mind, church, I just invite you to come and see. I invite you to come and as we dive into this text to consider to treasure Jesus. And as we treasure Jesus, we call those who we come in contact, please come and see. With me? Thank you. Very good. All right. So verse 17. This will bring me to my first point. I only got two points. This is a Baptist church, but I've only got two today. One, first point, Jesus, our treasure. So let me read verse 17 to you. It says, on one of those days while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and also from Jerusalem. So it's important to note who's here, okay? We're in Galilee. Jesus is here and he's teaching. Secondly, we have Pharisees and teachers of the law. Who are the Pharisees? Who are the teachers of the law? Dr. Schreiner's got you again. The Pharisees were a lay movement in Israel who went in obedience to Torah or the law to be kept so that God would fulfill his covenant promises for Israel. Okay? Now, we, we, we as Christians, know a lot about these Pharisees. Uh, we hear about them all the time. They're usually the bad dudes. Right? Now, secondly, for the teachers of the law, they're not too radically different from the Pharisees. Uh, we also know that some of the Pharisees were priests and teachers in Israel. But the teachers of the law were more in a sense of hearing the law and applying it to Israel's life. So it was a more of an application. Um, they weren't too distinct, but that was their main focus. So it's important to note these could be noted as pretty important people uh, in Israel at the time. So they study the law, they know the law, and they teach the law. So it's important to keep that in mind as we read what takes place because, as we'll see later in the text, the Pharisees kind of have a little problem with what's going on, okay? Now, I'm sorry, I think, I, I believe I forgot to read in verse, in verse 17, the end there, and the Lord's power to heal was in him. Who's him? Jesus, okay? Now, this isn't the first time that we, see, we have seen the Lord's power in Jesus to heal. But I think specifically, you have to note that Luke notes here that the power to heal was in him at this time. Now, Scripture doesn't give us evidence that this is a power that's just given occasionally and then taken away. Because the power is Jesus. Yeah? The power is Jesus. Let me remind you of something in Mark 5.30. Do you guys remember the story of the woman who had a, a bleed for 12 years? She had bled for many years. She had seen doctor after doctor, physician after physician, spent money after money, uh, and nothing, nothing changed. But because Jesus has the power of himself, Jesus is the power. Listen to Mark 5, 27 through 30. Having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothing. For she said, if I just touch his clothes, I will be made well. Instantly, her flow of blood ceased. And she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. Its power came from Jesus. He turned to the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? 
Jesus is good, y'all. Jesus is good, y'all. But I share that so that you don't get confused about this isn't something that came externally from Jesus. This is who Jesus is. This is exactly who Jesus is. He is the one who cares for the broken, for the needy, and the disabled, and he loves to heal him. So as we transition to verse 18, we see something kind of strange going on. Let's look here. Verse 18, just then some men came. So just as Jesus is teaching, some men came, carrying on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. They tried to bring him in and set him down before him. So firstly, what the text shows us is, is there's just some men. There's four of them. Jesus is teaching. They're coming. I would imagine pretty quickly if they got somebody on a stretcher. Um, they're coming pretty quickly to where Jesus is, is teaching at. And they've got a paralyzed man who's on a stretcher. Now, what I really thought was interesting about specifically verse 18 is we don't know who these dudes are. We don't really know. The text doesn't give us any info or background on who these men are, what they do, where they came from, how they know this, this paralyzed man. Church, and I think that has something that, or I think that can teach us something. And what I think that can teach us is, is these are just normal people. And we're just normal people. There's nothing special about these guys, right? There's nothing really special about us. What's special is, as we'll get to this, is the one who they are bringing them to, or bringing him to. So, church, I, I want to make it clear of this faithfulness to the Lord and, and this faithfulness to evangelize and bring people to, the, to Jesus and to Jesus' feet. This isn't something for, like, professional Christians, yeah. right? This is not something for, like, people who, like, have really large followings of podcasts and have really huge Twitter pages and argue a lot on the Internet, all right? So this is for us, church. This is for us. This is for people who tomorrow, you got the Sunday scaries tonight and you don't want to go to work. Hey, right here, right here. This is for people who are going to wake up and do the exact same thing that they did last Monday. It's for normal people. But here's something that's different about these normal people as we see in verse 19. The text says, since they could not find a way to bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on the stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. So we find that they find some difficulty in getting their friend or the paralyzed man to Jesus. What was the problem? Well, the place was just simply too crowded. There was no way in. They couldn't get in the front door. I don't know if they got a back door, but if they could, they couldn't get in there. There's too many people. And they were worried and concerned that their friend wasn't going to get the healing that they wanted him to have. So, thankfully, these brothers are resilient. They're problem solvers. Like my wife. I'm telling you, if this was me, I'd just been like, hey, brother, I'm sorry. Let's try again next week. Anytime we do a house project, I'm like, dang, that's not going to work. And Megan's like, Man, just hit it with a hammer. Something's going to happen. And let me say, it usually works. So, but thankfully, these brothers were resilient. They don't, they don't let these obstacles get in the way of what they think Jesus can do for their friend. And church, I think that has something to be said. There's something to be said about that. These men cared about this, this homeless man, or sorry, this paralyzed man. 
Now, we don't know how they knew each other, but they cared deeply about him. So instead of just giving up, they go onto the roof, and they move the roof tiles, and they lower him on a stretcher at the feet of Jesus. Now, let's remember this. Who's there? We have lay leaders who teach in the synagogue, right? So we got some, some important people, and then also probably just some common people too. So could you imagine? Let's just picture this right now. Listen, I ain't going to heal nobody, but this is just for example. Like, could you imagine if right there in the middle, the tile's just, <laughs> and then all y'all are getting the dust in your eyes, and somebody just comes lowered, four people are lowering, some, lowering somebody down right there. Like, hey, that's going to be a distraction for me. I don't know about y'all, but it'll be a big distraction for me. So what does this show us about these two men? It's one, they care deeply about their friend. Why? Because one, Jesus was there, and then two, there were also some important people in the room. So what does that show us? They had a deep care for this brother that they wanted to come to Jesus. They cared so much for their friend that they would physically do whatever they could to get him there. Now, let me also be clear. I'm saying as we try to bring people to Jesus, there are boundaries, right? There are boundaries, okay? Just so that I don't have time to go into that, but there are boundaries, okay? Good. Pastor Michael, you got that one. All right. But secondly, what also they have is they have a deep lack of care. They have a great care for their friend, but they also have a deep lack of care of how they are perceived because of what they're trying to do. Right? There's important people there. Man, I just don't know if I can have that conversation with her. I don't know if I can have that conversation with him because I think they just may think I'm dumb. They just may think I'm foolish and, and I'm a bigot and I just don't understand and I'm not modern. Church, they didn't really care about that. Church, they cared about their friend. They cared about their friend. They knew their friend's need and they wanted to bring him to Jesus. So church, I challenge us. I think sometimes we're just going to have to take a, a chance to just kind of look dumb in front of people sometimes. And that's okay. Because we ain't doing it for man anyways, right? We're doing it for the well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we're doing it for. Because he's worthy of it. Because Jesus is worth it. So church, when you are having that conversation next week, whoever your one is that you have, that you have chosen to pray for and try to share the gospel with, whoever that is, when you have that opportunity to share the gospel... Or that person in your workplace who you've never really had a relationship with and is opening up to you about how hard their week was. Church, I challenge you. Pray for them. Encourage them. Share the gospel with them. Whatever that looks like, do that. Now, as we consider their friendship, I think that it has a lot to offer us on how we should be good friends to people and to make ourselves look, to possibly allow ourselves to look foolish for the gospel but I don't think friendship here is, the, is, is just their only motivation. I don't think it's just their motive because they want to be good friends. Because we technically don't even know if they are friends. They could have just went and were grabbing breakfast and they're like, oh, here's this dude. Let's get him Jesus. I heard he's done crazy stuff. Right? The text doesn't give us that. But what the text does give us is their motivation is because they believed what Jesus was saying. They had faith in who Jesus has already proved himself to be. That's why they came. So look at verse 20. 
Jesus says, seeing their faith, or seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. See, their faith is the first thing that Jesus, is, that Jesus notices. And also, church, can we take a moment to realize what he just said? Friend, your sins are forgiven. Church, that's groundbreaking. That's huge. Let's think about the context that we're in. This is, this is still, the, the old covenant is still in place here. And these are Pharisees and scribes and teachers of the law who are still, and, and some of them priests more than likely, still performing old covenant sacrifices for the forgiveness of sin for Israel. And you got a brother who's standing here teaching and somebody comes down from the roof and he says, your sins are forgiven. That's huge. Hey, I'll be honest with you. When I was writing this sermon, last night I told Megan this. When I was writing this sermon, I don't know what was going on through my mind, but I had like two things on this and just moved past. And I was like, wait. The Spirit was like, yo, yo, this is huge. This is huge. Church, this is good news for you and me. Because as they're thinking about what the old covenant looks like and how they're supposed to sacrifice the doves and the lambs and whatever, let me listen or let me share with you Isaiah 43, 25. This is the Lord speaking. I am the one. I sweep away your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sin no more. And now Jesus is saying that he's the one who's forgiven sins. So I think that has something to say about who Jesus really is. And let's praise God for that. And hang with me. I'm going to get there some more. But before we move on, did you catch anything other than the fact that Jesus is forgiven sins that was a little odd about that interaction between Jesus and the, the paralyzed man? Because why did they bring the paralyzed man to Jesus in the first place? Well, in verse 17, yep, in verse 17 it says, nope. Just then some men 18... They tried to bring him in and set him down before him because they wanted him to be healed, right? So they came for a physical healing. Jesus didn't say to this brother right then, because of your faith, be healed. No, he said, because of your faith, your sins are forgiven. Church, let me tell you something that Jesus is really good at. He is really, really good at giving you something better than what you thought you needed. He's really, really good at giving you something better than what you had in mind, right? These friends wanted Jesus to be healed physically, and Jesus was like, hey, I'm not just going to heal this brother physically. Let me just forgive his sins. Hey, church, what this shows us, Dr. Schreiner coming through clutch one more time. He says this, we see from this declaration that forgiveness of sins is the greatest need for human beings, even more important than being healed. Church, that's our story. That's our story. That's our story. Because I know that some of y'all heard about Jesus and something crazy was going on in your life. And you just needed a quick fix. Maybe. And you're still in this room. You're still in this room. You're still sitting under the teaching of God's word. And church, also, what I also remember is, is I remember a woman who was at a well. And she thought she was thirsty. And indeed she was. But Jesus said, let me give you living water. 
And I remember that same woman who was at that well who had five husbands who weren't even her husbands. And Jesus promises to be with us to the end of the age. Church, I've known men and women who have been addicted to drugs. I know men and women who have been addicted to pornography. I know men and women who have made mistakes that have ruined their life, as we would see. And yet Jesus restores and Jesus heals. Church, I remember a nation who was enslaved to another nation. And they were really tired of being slaves to another nation. And they were also really tired of walking through, or walking through the wilderness for 40 years. But I also remember a Savior who says, come to me. Come to me. And as they were promised a land of rest, Jesus says, come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Church, can we just praise the Lord for a moment? God, thank you for your goodness that you even care about us lowly people, God. Now, as we move on, I want to I look at the text. So we know that they came. These men brought the, this, these, this paralyzed man to Jesus because they had faith in him. So let's go back a little bit and let's look about what they needed to have faith in. So basically what I'm saying is, is in, verse, in chapter 4, verse 37, as I discussed with you earlier that Jesus has already performed some other miracles, chapter 4, verse 37 says, and news about him began to go out to every place in the vicinity. So news about him because he has already healed people. Okay, so I just want to give you a breakdown of what Jesus has already done in the book of Luke. Okay, you tracking with me? So firstly, in chapter 4, verses 36 through 37, we see a man with an unclean spirit come to Jesus while teaching in the synagogue, and Jesus casts out the demon. Okay, that's first. Secondly, chapter 4, 38 through 39, Simon's mother-in-law from Zebedee and Sons, Pastor Mike, last week, Simon, Simon's mother-in-law, healed of a high fever, 3, Chapter 4, verses 41 through 42, Jesus healed many who had sickness, diseases, and demons. Fourth, chapter 5, verse 1 through 11, as Simon is fishing and they ain't caught nothing, Jesus says, just go out a little bit more, cast your nets in the deep. And he's like, bruh, I ain't caught nothing all day. And the net breaks because there's so much fish. Fifth, Chapter 5, verse 12 through 15, Jesus heals a leper and restores him to life. And then lastly, 6, in, in, five, in chapter 5, verse 16, large crowds would gather. They were gathering because Jesus of, of what Jesus has already done, and they were being healed of their sickness. So this is what they have already heard. This news about that there is somebody who is doing stuff that's never been done before is here. Okay? And I don't know about you, but I'm like, let's go see him, okay? So that's what's going on here. That's why they're bringing uh, their friend to Jesus. Now, I want to point out, I want to read to you just a couple of things that I think are super important before we move on, specifically in what Jesus has already done. Firstly, Luke 4, 34 through 35. As Jesus is healing this man with an unclean spirit, listen to what 
the demon says, an unclean demonic spirit who cried out with a loud voice, leave us alone. What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him and said, be silent, come out of him, throwing him down before them. And the demon came out of him without hurting him at all. And then secondly, Luke chapter 4, verses 41. Also, demons were coming out of many, shouting and saying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. What? Church, this tells us something. Tells us two things, maybe three. Firstly, if you come in contact with Jesus, you have a testimony. And we know this to be true because the demons have a testimony. That's insane. Church, when we come in contact with Jesus and we see what he does, even the demons have to proclaim, there's something different about you. You are different. Remember when they say, I've heard of Paul, who is this? It's Jesus. There's something about Jesus that's different. The second thing that it teaches us, church, you've come in contact with Jesus. You have a story to tell, and it matters. Church, let me be honest with you this, like super honest with you this week. This week has been terrible for me. It has. It's been awful. One, my wife and daughter were gone. That's on a whole nother level of terrible. But to be honest with you, like, I have been so anxious about my job. Like, to the point where I was not, like, I wasn't, I haven't slept well this week. I haven't slept well. I have not wanted to get out of bed and to go to work. I have not wanted to work. I've kind of just wanted to just, like, bounce. But church, what I'm trying to get out here is that, yes, we as believers have to evangelize and bring people to the feet of Jesus. But church, we need the feet of Jesus over and over and over. And let me tell you what has sustained me this week. It's because my wife, until she has been blue blue in the face, has told me over and over, Jesse, it's about Jesus. It's not about you. And he is good. And he has got us. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you lose your job. It doesn't matter if you're comfortable in your job. It doesn't matter if you like your job. Because Jesus has got us. And church, let me tell you, that is for us to encourage one another. Because it wasn't only my wife. There's a handful of people in this room who did the same thing for me. Shane and Danielle basically made me come to their house. And church, what I'm telling you is, is that what has, that's what has gotten me through to this week. I'm telling you, Tuesday and Wednesday, I was like, I can't do this. I, how am I going to preach on Sunday? How am I going to preach on Sunday? And I'll tell you how. Because I know the one who the demons testify about. I know the one. I know the one who can take any situation and restore it. Church, we need one another to help us treasure Jesus. We need one another to help us to treasure Jesus. And church, to help, to help us paint this picture as we consider who our one is, 
in sharing the gospel, let me offer you just an image that I think would be helpful. We all go to doctors, right? Maybe. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, you know, now that I think about it, it's been a minute for me too. <laughs> but why do we do that? It's because there's something wrong with us, unless you're a hypochondriac. No hate. Sorry about that. I may live with one, but that's okay. Anyway, but you're right, brother. You're right. But we continually need treatment. We continually need to be taken care of. And here's the good news. is Specifically for Ren, we found out about Ren's doctor through word of mouth for somebody else. And their kids needed the same thing that Ren's needs. And sometimes we need care from a doctor that you also need. So where I'm going at with this is, church, yeah, I know that for those of us who are believers in this room, we've experienced Jesus and we've responded in faith and obedience to his gospel. But there ain't really nothing different other than Jesus and everyone who don't believe in Jesus. Now, we all have the same illness, right? We are broken. For all have sinned and fallen short before the glory of God. And church, we know a good, good doctor. Now, I would be pretty upset with our neighbors who recommended Rand's doctor to us if this doctor wasn't a good one. Or I would have been even more upset if they knew that Rand was sick, they had a solution, and they didn't tell us. Right? Hey, church, the world is broken. And we know the solution. So we share that. And I don't share that to put a burden on you to try and make you feel bad because you didn't share the gospel this week or whatever. I share that to give you assurance that that good doctor is still doing good things. And he can still do even far more than we have ever imagined. So as we move on to the second point, now if we've considered the fact that we must treasure Jesus and that be the motivation of our evangelism, church, let, let us consider in the second point that this treasure of ours has not lost his power. So as we consider verses 21 through 26, my second point and my last point is Jesus, our treasure who still does incredible things. So look at me with verse uh, look at me look with me at verse 21. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to think to themselves, who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Now, like I said before, I was going to get into this a little bit earlier because of we're this side of the cross and we have the word of God when we hear Pharisee, we're just like, bruh. Like we already we already count them off, rightfully so. But I think that we have to pay close attention to this text because Church, that's the right, that's the right question, right? They know the law. They know that it's only God who can forgive sins. So they, this is the right question to ask. And what do they, what do they say? Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Basically, they're saying, does this dude really think he's God? Okay. Now look at verse 22. But perceiving their thoughts... Jesus replied to them, why are you thinking this in your hearts? So now that when I heard, when I read verse 22, but perceiving their thoughts, Jesus replied to him. So let's make it clear. They didn't say it. The Pharisees didn't say verse 21. They were just thinking about it. Okay. Now, 
They're asking if this dude is God, and he says to them, why are you thinking this? I don't know about y'all, but that's never happened to me. (laughs) That's never happened to me. So it brought back to, you remember in 1 Samuel, when Samuel was going to anoint the next king of Israel? Verse, or 1 Samuel verse six, or chapter 16, verse 7, this is what the word of the Lord reads. He says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his stature, because I have rejected him. So what's going on is Samuel's about to anoint the next king of Israel, and he's looking at all the sons of Jesse. And he sees one that's like swole. He's handsome. He's, this has got to be the guy. And the Lord says, Do not look at his appearance or his stature, because I have rejected him. Humans do not see what the Lord sees. If your humans see what is, is visible, but the Lord, in the, in, in the Hebrew, Yahweh, the Lord sees the heart. Okay. It is indeed, Pastor Mike. It is good because what it is showing us is that this same Yahweh, who's perceiving the hearts and the minds of men, Jesus is doing the exact same thing here. He's doing the exact same thing here. So, as we move on, verse 22, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? In your hearts? And then Jesus is just going to, he's just going to show them up. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? Now, church, let me ask you, which is easier to say, your friends are, or your sins are forgiven, or to get up and walk. I'm going to go ahead and tell you neither. It's rhetorical. Because no one, no man has the authority or the power to say your sins are forgiven. And no man has the authority or power to say take up your bed and walk. Right? Except we do see that people are healed, but the difference is, now I'm talking about later in the book of Acts and we see what the apostles do, but there's never been nothing like this. Because Jesus is showing us who he really is and he's showing them who he really is. Both are impossible for humans. But what does Matthew 19, 26 tell us? With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Jesus is making a statement and a proclamation about who he really is. And we see this clearly in verse 24. What does he say? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your stretcher, and go home. Why did he do that? So that they would know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. That's why. But not only... It also shows that he has the authority to forgive sins, but also the power to heal. Now let's think back to their question, who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus is answering for them. He's answering the question for them. Nobody except God, who I am. But not only did God, or not only did Jesus forgive his sins and heal him, church, can we talk about how good Jesus is at healing? So he said to a man who has been paralyzed, we're not sure for how long, but we know that he's paralyzed. His words are effective immediately. Look at verse 25. Immediately he got up before them. Immediately he picked up 
what he had been lying on, went home glorifying God. Church, he didn't have no physical therapy. There was no chiropractic appointments. There was no weightlifting sessions. There was no aqua therapy, whatever. Jesus said, be healed. Take up your bed and go home. And immediately his words were effective. Does this remind you of anything? How about in Genesis 1 and 2 when God said, let there be light, and there was just light. And when he separated the light from the darkness, and it just happened. Right? Jesus' words are immediately effective. But church, as, as we see here in verse 25 and 26, what we see is Jesus did something and then he was glorified. Look at verse 26. Then everyone was astounded and they were giving glory to God. And they were filled with awe and said, we have seen incredible things today. Oh, church, what incredible things did they see? Amazing things. And it's easy for us to be astounded and to be encouraged and to be blown away by what Jesus has done here. And we should be. We should be because it's crazy. But can I remind you of what the author of Hebrews reminds us in chapter 13, verse 8? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So church, let me tell you this. This Jesus in Luke 5 is still the Jesus in 2023. This Jesus in Luke 5 is still the same Jesus that's going to be with you tomorrow at your job. This same Jesus in Luke 5 is going to be the same Jesus when you're on a hospital bed needing a new heart. This Jesus in Luke 5 is going to be the same Jesus when something's going on with your kid that nobody can tell you what's going on. That's Jesus. That's our Jesus, church. That's our treasure. So church, as I close, let me leave you with this. Let me leave you with this. Is that as we consider sharing the gospel with our one or whoever we come in contact with on a daily basis, you may be thinking, how in the world can I do this faithfully when I still struggle with X, Y, or Z? How can I share the gospel faithfully? How in the world can I go listen to a sermon for the next month about evangelism and still struggle to share the gospel? Well, let me tell you why you can. Because it's never dependent on you. The gospel has never depended on you or me. And thank God that that's the case. Because if it did, we would not be here. But the gospel depends on that Luke 5 Jesus. And that Genesis 3 promised seed that's going to be the head crusher. That's who the gospel depends on. And then that gospel depends on the one who's going to come back on a white horse with a name on his thigh and declaring victory over all of God's enemies. That's what the gospel depends on. So church, let me leave you with this. Let me leave you with this. Church, as you go out this week, treasure Jesus. Treasure Jesus. And as you treasure Jesus, you invite those to come and see your treasure. And not only to come and see it, but to come and obtain it. Because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So church, I hope you were encouraged this morning that this Jesus is the same Jesus, and he'll always be the same Jesus. Let's pray. Father, you are consistent. You are good. You are faithful, Lord. 
God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for your church. God, I pray that if there's anyone in this room here now who doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, God, would you save them? Would you make it apparent to them that whatever they think they need, they need you more? And here's the good news about that, is that you're the best thing for us, and you offer yourself freely. God, would you continue to be glorified this morning? It's in Jesus' name. Amen.